Hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Rainy Market Minute. Today is Friday, July 29th, and this is episode number 161. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, good to uh, round out the week here and round out the month, actually, the last trading day of the month. And we had a great month. Um, honestly, we uh, our portfolio, our, our focus list portfolio for the newsletter is barely down on the year. I'm very proud to say that. It's been a rough up and down, but all things considered, we're hanging in there. Not saying we're out of the woods yet. I don't necessarily believe that, but it is nice to see a pretty decent recovery here for the sector. Um, I want to highlight a number of things I'm seeing in the charts in just a moment and talk about an excellent piece that Art Hyde from Segra Capital Management put out this morning. I'm going to have the link in the show notes in the description below. I strongly suggest that you plan to read that over the weekend. There's some very nice, um, uh, well-worded elements that he highlights about uh, the future of nuclear that I think are very important to understand right now for what that means for this investment thesis. And I'm going to talk about that in the mailbag section. Before we do, let's go ahead and jump right into the daily scoreboard and talk about the spot flows, the spot price, and the ETFs. Spot price, 48.50 a pound mid-market, unchanged over the past couple of days. So here we are at the end of the final trading day of the month, and we did not see a smash down yet. Uh, in fact, we saw the price get some support this week. On the week, it was up, I believe, about a dollar, maybe slightly more on the whole week. And that's a very good sign. With Sput out of the market and with the month end coming, I'm telling you, this smells like the rope is tightening. That's what this is really looking like to me. Um, typically, during uh, over the past 12 months, when we saw Sput out of the market temporarily or uh, even for an extended period of time, especially towards the end of the month, we would see the spot price get slapped around a bit. Now that is tightening. And considering what's happening with the back end of the fuel cycle, um, I'm not surprised to see the demand hit the U308 market sooner rather than later. So on that note, uh, SPUT, we did see some volume come into SPUT today, although I do believe that was more than likely coming from URA. We are in the midst of a URA rebalance, so there's a number of stocks across the space that saw very large volumes. Um, today, that is typically the case, and URA will often wait to the last 5, 10, 15 minutes of the trading day. Um, to smack things around a bit. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, I'm not um, high-fiving anybody about the volume in, in SPUT today, though it did trade up slightly on the day. And with uranium flat, we're narrowing that discount to NAV. And nice to see it trade more consistently over the past few days, at least, at a lesser discount. We are slowly, slowly moving back towards break-even on the discount to NAV as far as where the trust is trading relative to NAV. And of course, we'd like to see some volume come in when we get close to NAV or above it. We That is yet to be seen if that is going to be the case going forward. Yesterday, they closed at a minus 4.9% discount to NAV. So they're probably right around 4.5, 4 to 4.5% discount to NAV as of today's close. Um, but even as recent as Monday, we were close to a 10% discount. They 54.6 million in their treasury. Um, and doesn't look like they're going to be spending any more of that uh, as they have not over the past week or so. Likely they'll hang on to that 56 million, 54.6 million going forward until they can raise more cash. Um, maybe use a little bit for GNA here and there. Looking at the ETFs, 
URA reported a decrease of 250,000 shares outstanding. URNM reported no change. That was 3.7 million in mandated selling. That was most likely uh, three days ago, I believe, um, where we saw a little bit of a weaker market, but really not all that bad. So honestly, I'm kind of surprised to see that uh, decrease uh, redemption coming from URA. But as I've mentioned before, URA has a much more liquid options market. So oftentimes the ETF will, will trade a little bit more um, volume and a little bit more um, violently, let's say, or more with more volatil volatility in terms of shares outstanding than URNM. And that's exactly what we've seen. Uh, let's see, URA and URNM joint assets under management rose by another 50 million yesterday, despite the redemptions, now sitting at 2.43 billion. And the equities markets, we had a very, very strong day on Wednesday, held on to those gains yesterday, and today was a bit mixed. Uh, most of the stocks in the space were flat to slightly up with a couple of outperformers. On that note, let's take a look at the charts. URA up 0.7% on the day, about average volume, uh, not really breakout volume here. The chart is shaping up. That 200A is trying to start flattening out. We are above that trend line. We are above the rising 50-day moving average, looking a little bit more positive. Like I said, am I high-fiving my, uh, my, uh, my friends in this space right now? No, I'm not. This was a great week, though. Why don't we look at the weekly charts? On the week, URA up 11.76%. Very good week on increasing volume. So that is definitely a good sign. Like I said, we're hovering right around and just above that uh, that lower trend line for this Livermore accumulation cylinder. And uh, we are still above this rising 200-week moving average. So long-term, this chart looks okay. Uh, we are still in this uptrend, and I'm happy to see the volume jump up on the weekly chart with this nice up move for the week. And most importantly, I really like that we closed at the highs of the week or just off the highs of the week. Very nice looking candle that we printed for the week. Out of curiosity, let's take a look at the monthly chart for URA. Monthly chart shows a very early move for the sector. Uh, obviously, if we zoom out significantly, we saw lower volumes and declining volumes on the pullbacks of the last four months. Uh, we had the biggest volume in March, record volume in March, in fact, and that declined on this pullback with this month being lower volume than the last four months. And the monthly candle, however, closing at the highs of the month. Very, very good to see. Looking uh, decently, uh, like a decent setup here for the URA ETF. Sprott, uh, Sprott Physical Uranium Trust printing a massive hammer candle on the monthly chart. Volume uh, still in a major uptrend when you're looking at the monthly charts, but significantly lower than it has been during the breakout periods. Weekly chart closing near the highs of the week and on increasing volume. Still, I don't think this is breakout volume with massive institutional uh, money piling back into this. It'll be interesting. August really is going to be a proving ground month for not only for the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, but for the sector as a whole, we know what's happening in the fuel cycle. We know that it's tightening significantly. We see the spot market actually uh, holding on very well, despite spot being out of the market, essentially, for more than two months. So what does that mean? That means the spot market is getting tight, seeing some pressure. Even if that's on low volume, where are the sellers? Um, where are the motivated sellers, I should say? We know what's happening in the fuel cycle. We know that risk is still generally off, although it seems to be coming back on a little bit. 
I think you, you can feel the sentiment has shifted, although it's certainly not euphoric, far from it. And there are still plenty of bears. There's plenty of uh, S&P bears and uranium bears basically saying this is a bear market rally and uh, you should be forewarned and be cautious about going forward. To, to, to that, I say, uh, I am in this for the long run. Is it possible we can move back down in the short term? My answer to that, I don't really care. I, and I'm being completely honest in that. I really don't care. And if I'm being completely honest in this, if you have cash to deploy, uh, a move down between now and when this is really, really going to take off, and it will, is a gift if you are patient. If you are impatient, you are in the wrong sector, period. So where is this going to go in the short term? I don't know. Where is this going to go in the midterm? Up. Where is this going to go in the long term? <sighs> We we really are going to have to wait and see, but it's going to be much, much, much higher for the equities and for the metal. And on that note, let's look at URNM relative to the spot price of uranium. Another strong week and another strong day, up 1% relative to the metal. Let's take a look at the weekly chart for this one. Beautiful weekly candle for the miners against the metal. In fact, this is one of the best weeks we've had since the bull market started. How many large green candles like this have we had since the beginning of the bull market? Weekly candles where we closed at the highs of the week. One, two, three, uh, maybe four, maybe five. And this was a very, very good week for the miners relative to the metal. As we've known, spot price is kind of holding in there, moving slightly up, and the equities are catching a bid. Um, again, I'm not calling a bottom. I'm not saying we're out of the woods for the equities in the Iranian space or the broad market in general, but this is very, very constructive. And I'm happy to see uh, a bit of a recovery in these charts after these lows a few weeks ago that were rivaling valuations before the bear market even started back in December of 2020. Lastly, let's look at URA relative to the S&P 500. Today, down slightly relative to the S&P. The S&P had a decent day and uh, volumes increasing on this chart, but we are back in a short-term uptrend above the rising 50 and 20-day moving averages, still below a slightly declining 200-day moving average, but we held on and moved up from that trend line. Will this hold? I don't know. I honestly believe that we will maintain an uptrend relative to the broad market. Does that not? Does that mean we won't retest this trend line or even drop below it in the short term? I don't know. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Going forward, we will just have to see how this plays out. If risk is going to come back off, um, like I highlighted a couple of days ago in the in this podcast, and I actually shared a link to it. Cuppy Harris Copperman on Twitter had a brilliant thread about. Um, hedge fund losses in H1 and funds having to show some gains in the next few months or face redemptions, which uh, they don't want to see. So I think that risk is going to come back on very shortly here. And it's certainly likely that that risk will be put on in the value space. And of course, much of that could be contingent in terms of uranium potential on whether or not we see strong moves in the spot price of uranium. And that is certainly possible. Last chart, let's look at Cameco. Cameco had a brilliant week. Um, obviously, the market really liked what they uh, had to say in their Q2 conference call. Cameco up 14.38% on the week. Absolutely massive week for Cameco on increasing volume. 
um, really kind of breaking out of this triangle. Just a very, very nice looking chart for the leader in the space. And as I've said before, where as Cameco goes, so does the sector. Okay, so I'm going to talk briefly about this piece that Art Hyde from Segre Capital Management put out this morning. And I, again, strongly suggest that you take a look and read thoroughly through this because it's important to understand the potential of the uh, advanced technologies that are moving forward very, very quickly right now. And he goes into this very thoroughly and very eloquently in this piece. And so just want to give him um, and his partner, Adam, uh, props because I think that they do some of the best work in the sector. Um, very, very sharp guys. And it's very uh, generous of them to put out pieces like this publicly for the rest of us to read because uh, these guys know what's going on. Okay. And it takes, you have to understand enough about the sector and enough about the fuel cycle in order to be able to understand who really knows about this sector and the fuel cycle. And these guys really, really know what they're talking about. And so um, whenever they put something out, excuse me, um, whenever they put something out like this, it's important to pay attention to it and um, and read it thoroughly. So I want to read a, a couple of points here that I think are really important. So first of all, this piece generally is about SMRs and about advanced nuclear and that potential going forward. And importantly, um, talking about the fuel cycle and coverage for utilities. So uh, you can find charts out there. I believe Yellow Cake PLC puts one out in their in their investor presentation. And that's one, uh, a chart that we've seen over the many years that shows the US utilities and the EU utilities and their coverage for their nuclear fuel needs going out into the future. And it's a line graph, right? And it shows the US utilities, you know, pretty covered in the short term right now, which they always are, okay? And that's his point here that I'm gonna read in just a second. And that coverage starts to drop off. And so for the US, that drops off to about 50% coverage by 2025. The EU is still covered about 90% in 2025. And then they both drop off kind of in parallel form from there going out into the later part of this decade. So in this piece, um, Art writes, and I think this is art writing. Um, so I apologize if this is Adam writing, but um, between the two of them, they write uh, near term. So he, he highlights a common bear case is that in the near term utilities are covered. So why are we going long uranium? What's the thesis for uranium if they're covered in the near term? Okay. And that's of course true. And his response, uh, near term coverage has always been high and has never stopped the price cycle from occurring. Utilities are relatively well covered in 2022 and 2023, because they bought that material three to five years ahead of needing it, and they always will, okay? So the thesis for uranium and for the demand case for uranium is not based on utilities needing fuel right now for their next refueling outage. That is not the thesis. It's based on future demand because that demand um, that demand exists today for their needs out in the future. And to a finer point later in the paragraph, he states, Constellation Energy, which is the largest nuclear operator in the United States, they begin contracting for reload requirements six years prior to refueling dates and target full coverage at least two years before refueling. Okay. So six years before they, uh, they need that fuel for a reload, they are already starting to begin uh, seeking out contracting for all of the elements of the fuel cycle necessary to get that fuel load to them in time. Uh, two years prior to when they need it. Okay, so they basically allow if they start at six years and they and they cover it within two years. That's a four year process, right? There's some four. There's some leeway in that. That is to say, in theory, if Constellation uh, had was uncovered six years from now, and they're probably more covered than most utilities in the, in the U.S., um, they would start 
seeking out contracts right now for six years ahead of time. And the reason that uh, that they make this point is because in the context of this article about advanced nuclear, about SMRs, it's like, oh, SMRs, yeah, they're going to get that built by 2028, 2029, maybe operational by 2030, you know, whatever. That's so far out in the future. I'm looking for to book some gains on this trade in the next 18 months. All right. So why even pay attention to this? Well, this is why. Uh, so they state, what's the point of all this? While many market participants continue to see the demand profile of advanced nuclear as some distant factor, it's important we see its incorporation into long-term forecasts as a key variable, which will drastically shift models today. Okay, so essentially, what he's saying is the modeling for supply and demand that we see coming from, let's say, the WNA or UXC or entities such as that. You know, at least the WNA will have a low, mid, and high case scenario with their nuclear fuel report. Um, the high case scenario really is just starting to scratch the surface into potential demand that could come this decade from SMRs, from advanced nuclear. Okay, Chinese are already building one that they're going to be firing up within the next 12 to 18 months. Um, these things are being tested. There's a test facility in the United States. Um, there is uh, news essentially almost every day about a new country, a new entity, a new deal being signed, a new letter of intent with some SMR company that is developing technologies and engineering reactors, advanced nuclear reactors for the purpose of implementation into the grid um, later part of this decade, early part of the 2030s. And this matters because demand Mod, uh, models are going to have to start baking some of this in, at least in the high case scenario. And the way that the world is going right now, and not in, only in terms of geopolitical bifurcation, but a nuclear fuel market bifurcation, but uh, in terms of, of having grid security and sovereignty, energy sovereignty for a particular country or a particular region, SMRs fit the bill for so many reasons. And this article highlights that um, over and over and over and goes deeply into the implications for the fuel cycle. So I'm not going to keep speaking on this. Please go read this piece. The link will be in the show notes in the description below. Go read that. Send Art a thank you uh, response to his tweet that he put that out this morning. Um, these guys are doing great work. And I think he makes very, very important points about the potential demand for SMRs, for uranium because of SMRs happening sooner than you think. So if some of these actually start getting built in the next few years uh, in the US, in the EU, in the OECD, then we are going to see the companies that are building these and operating these SMRs um, seeking and procuring that fuel years and years and years in advance. And that is demand that nobody is baking into the pie at this point. All right. I hope uh, that is a, a decent little overview of this excellent piece. Please go read it. Have yourself a great weekend. If you are a Uranium Insider Pro member, you will uh, want to read the weekly watch list on Sunday. That will be put out Sunday afternoon before the ASX open. And the August monthly newsletter will be out Tuesday morning prior to the open of the US markets. Um, it's This month is going to be a doozy. All right. Uh, take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Cheers.